Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. I want to share with you this morning about a book I wrote called Birth Pangs. It's not about giving birth. It is not a guide on birthing a baby. It's about the kingdom of God and the times that we're living in. I was 18 years old. I had a crazy encounter. My best friend, Brian McRae, not Jewish, Irish Catholic, he was born again. That's what he told me. He was born again. What does that mean, Brian? And he tried to explain to me. I didn't understand it. And one day we were in the car and he was taking me to a bookstore, Logos, it used to be down here. Is it still here on Gray Street? It's gone. So um, he's taking me there, kidnapped me, uh, and I, I kind of sort of understood what he was saying. I said, Brian, are you telling me if I'm not born again like you, I'm not going to heaven? Now understand, I am completely Jewish on both sides. I was bar mitzvahed right down the road at Bethel Temple. That was my culture, my identity. The idea of believing in Yeshua, Jesus, was absolutely not in my vision whatsoever. It never entered my mind that that was something that I would pop. In fact, when I was a young man here in Richmond, about eight years old, I saw a car. And on the car, it had this bumper sticker, and it said, I found it. Remember that in the 70s? Well, I was a curious little hyperactive eight-year-old. So I got that phone number. I, what did he find? I called him up on the phone. He said, I found Jesus Christ. And I said, oh, you know, that, that was terrifying to me. So now Brian is born again. He's telling me, and I said, Brian, there is nothing in the New Testament, in the Bible, I said, about being born again. Now, I knew that because I was a Bible scholar at 18. I, ha- I barely graduated high school. I Definitely did not know what was in the Bible. And he opens up his Bible to John 3, 3, except a man be born again, born from above, have that spiritual birth. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't know God. You can't enjoy God without that born again experience. And he read that to me, and I was terrified. I knew it was true. I And by the way, the reason I told him that there's nothing in the Bible about us because I knew Christians. I grew up with them. They were my drinking buddies, my drug addict buddies, my do bad things at nighttime. But I mean, they, they all went to church on Sunday and they never told me that I needed to be born. So I thought, well, it's some crazy cult thing, except it is in the Bible. And it's about Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, giving his life for us, allowing himself to be crucified and then rising from the dead on the third day and purchasing eternal life for us. It's a free gift that pretty much costs everything. He wants your whole life, but it's free in the sense that there's nothing that you ever could have done to earn it on your own. He gave everything for us. So I said, well, Brian, that's that's scary. I don't know what to do now. And I'll make a long story short. Uh, October 
Well, let's go to Yom Kippur, 1983. I fasted first time, 18 years old, fasted, didn't eat, hoping to find God. How can I even consider this Yeshua without even, you know, fasting on Yom Kippur? So I did. And you know what? I was very, very hungry at the end of 24 hours, but I did not feel forgiven. I did not feel closer to God. And then about a month later, I'm in a car. My friend, uh, long story short, how I ended up in that car, but I ended up in that car. And we went to a movie about Yeshua. At the end of the movie, I was crying. Now, just to be clear, I cried during commercials. So I was not going to give my life to Yeshua because I was crying in a movie. But we got in the car. We're driving back to our Bible school. Uh, no, it was not a Bible school, a college uh, in, in North Carolina. And we're driving back, and I prayed for the first time in my life. I said, God, is Jesus real? Is he your son? Do I need him? I need, if you, you, I'm here. You just tell me. I'll do it. And at that moment, my friend lost control of the car. It began to swerve from side to side and flipped over upside down in a ditch. I have something in my tooth. I think it's for my breakfast. <laughs> I got it. I'm upside down in a car in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina after praying my first prayer. You don't want me to pray for you. <laughs> Be careful. And the car was totaled, and we were not. We were fine. We got, walked to the only house around. Next thing I know, I'm in this house, and they are talking to me about Yeshua. And explaining to me why he died for me. And the power of God descended on me. As real as this piece of wood underneath my hand. In, in fact, more real. It was power that I've, I, electricity, I can't even, there's no words. I, I've, I've been in this thing for 37 years and I still don't have the words to describe it. But it was God. And I met Yeshua that night and was changed. So that's just a little bit of my story. Um, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 24. And then we're going to go a little bit later to 1 Kings 22. But in Matthew 24, this is the Olivet Discourse. Look at verse 4. Yeshua answered. He's with his disciples on the Mount of Olives and he's talking to them about the destruction of the temple. And he begins to teach them about the last days. I believe the days that we're living in. Now, if we're here 100 years from now, you can come to me. I'll be 155. And you can tell me I was wrong. And I will confess. But right now, that's what I think. Yeshua answered, watch out that no one deceives you. There will be deception in the last days. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Let me just say, he's not talking about crackpots. It says, and will deceive many. They will be good enough that people will be deceived. We got this guy in Tel Aviv that is a really weird dude, and he, dude, he thinks he's a Messiah. Nobody follows him. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about people that will deceive people. And by the way, you say, well, I'll never be deceived. See, the problem is with deception is it's very deceiving. Nine out of ten people who are deceived, I'm sorry, ten out of ten people who are deceived do not know they're deceived. They think they're doing the right thing. 
For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes and pestilence in various places. By the way, pestilence, plague, plagues in various places. All of these, anybody know it? Are the beginning of sorrows in one translation, but that wouldn't make a good title for a book, would it? Sorrows? No. Birth pangs. The beginning of birth pangs are sorrows. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. So, big turning away from the faith. Again, problem with deception, so deceiving. People will hate each other. And there'll be false prophets deceiving many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached on the whole earth as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So there's it, it, the, these final days on earth that he's speaking about will be marked by a lot of crazy things, right? False prophets, earthquakes, famines, plagues. Did you read a paper recently? It sounds a lot like today. And he talks about love growing cold and then people falling away from the faith. But then he speaks of a move of God that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth as a witness before the end comes. So before Yeshua returns, we will see this gospel of the kingdom go to every single nation. That's exciting, by the way. I know your mask, but you can give me a little bit of... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> It reminds me when Jeb Bush was running for president and he made a really good point and uh, nobody clapped and he said, you could clap there. <laughs> Anyways, that's where he got the nickname Low Energy, unfortunately. <laughs> Bless Jeb. So there are many different things in there and we do unpack that in this book. Every chapter can pretty much be tied to something going on there. One of the things Yeshua says is don't be alarmed. Now, can you imagine? And he's using the analogy of birth pangs. Let's just talk for a minute about having a baby. Now, I've never done that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have been in the delivery room three times and my role was very important. I was a cheerleader. I was told to shut up a few times. <laughs> I'm not going to say by who. <laughs> but... Um, Birth pangs come in waves. When this coronavirus happened, uh, uh, began uh, back in, at least in, when we realized it was real, back in early March, I asked the Lord one day, Shabbat, sitting on my couch at home, is there anything you want to say to me? I, I, like about this world and what we're living. For me, is there anything you want to say to me? And I heard these two words in prayer. Be ready. 
And instinctively, I opened up to Matthew 24. I just knew it was connected to that. And then that verse, verse 8, this is the beginning of birth pains, it jumped out at me. And I said to myself, if these are the beginning of birth pains, if we're now entering into that season, and I'm not prophesying, this is me as a, as a student of theology, eschatology. It's, it's my hypothesis. I'm not telling you God said, I'm just saying this is where I think. But if that's what we're in, I said, this thing's not going to be over soon. And another wave is going to come because birth pangs, and, and you moms know what I'm talking about, is they come and then they go. And then they come and then they go. And then they get closer together. And yet Yeshua says in the midst of those birth pangs, do not be afraid. Do not be alarmed. Now, why is he saying that? It's because that would be our natural tendency. It's scary. I'm going to wear a mask and, and people have died. 250,000 Americans. He says, don't be alarmed. Why? Because a baby's coming. You see, if, I say, if my wife, when she was going through that horrible pain, if I said to her, don't be alarmed, she may have punched me. But what I would have been communicating to her is, honey, in a few hours, you're going to be holding Sharon. You're going to be holding Yael or Danielle. You're going to have a baby in your arms and you're going to forget about all this pain. And what he's talking about, he's using that analogy to talk about the final days before the birthing of the kingdom of God on earth. <coughs> and that's, when that happens, we're going to forget everything that we've been through. But as we get to that, again, read the passage. It's a little scary. But Yeshua's with us. He says, don't be alarmed. Now, it's kind of easy for, <laughs> if I was there, I would have been, it's easy for you to say, you know, you're going to be up there and we're down here, but, but he's with us. His presence is with us. When, when Ilan and I first, I remember the time when we realized that this thing was real. That this wasn't just a few people in China, but it was going to spread to the whole world. We're watching the news in Hebrew in, uh, in a hotel room. And we both were shell-shocked. We went out to dinner, and we're like, I mean, we're just stunned. Like, we're, we're all going to die. <laughs> That's it. And the next day we woke up, and I remembered Yeshua's words. See, this, the, the, the word panic, you know where that comes from? You might think it comes from pandemic, but it doesn't. That would be nice if it did. We can make, do a nice teaching on it. But it actually comes from a Greek mythological god named Pan, P-A-N. And this creepy dude, he was half man, half goat, and he would go to sleep in the afternoon. He was very perverted. And he would wake up in the afternoon and give out this shriek, which would cause people to panic. That's where we get the word panic from. And did you know that Yeshua took his disciples to where that supposedly took place. It's a place called the Banyas, which usually used to be called the Pan, Pan, Panyas. Change the name because uh, Arabs cannot pronounce P. That's why they don't say uh, uh, Palestinian. They actually don't say it. It's, uh, they, they would use the F sound, uh, Philistia, instead of Palestine. In Arabic. And so it changed from Panyas to Banyas, but Yeshua goes there with his disciples. You know the story in Caesarea Philippi? 
It was one of the most demonic places in Israel. And Yeshua takes his disciples. The rabbis would never go there. But Yeshua goes there to make a point. See, there was a cave there called the Cave of the Gods. And that cave supposedly went into hell. They called it... But what do you think they called it in English? The gates of hell. And he says, my kehilah, my ecclesia will not be overcome by these gates of hell. He was referring to that saying, all the powers of darkness will not overcome my people on planet earth. Yeshua is not afraid and neither should you be. You know, he, he, I, I use the analogy, you ever, you ever seen a scary movie? I don't watch him anymore, but I, I remember there was one I saw as a 15-year-old, and I didn't sleep for a month. I was just horrified. And I won't tell you the name. I'll just say that Jack Nicholson was in it. And <laughs> I did not sleep for a long time. And then I finally realized as a believer, the way I felt after that movie is how demons feel around you. See, we, we have been lied to to believe that demons are th something to be afraid of. When demons encountered Yeshua in the new covenant, was he scared? No, they were scared. They began to worship him. Can you imagine Satan? He's like, what are you doing? They start worship. Oh, you're the son of God. Oh my, you don't, please don't hurt us. That's a revelation right there. That that's how they are around you. The Yeshua inside of you. So when things get crazy on earth, we need to be strong. And one of the things, I'll just I'll touch on this. You know, I, I wish I had about 13 hours. I'd love to go through this whole book with you, but you can get a copy. But I want to focus on one thing, and that is the issue of false prophets. And, and, and I've seen a, just recently, I saw a video the other day, and I've seen this theme over and over again where uh, prophetic leaders are quoting, um, well, there's Amos, I think it's 3, uh, 7, and... Second uh, Chronicles 2020. You know, God does nothing except he reveal it to his prophets and Amos. And then Second Chronicles 2020, it says uh, uh, it's Jehoshaphat going off to war. And he says, believe in the Lord your God and believe in his prophets and you will prosper. Now understand something. That is not how we operate in the new covenant. Do you know, there, 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 I am not a replacement theologian, as you know. God's promises to Israel remain for today. The very fact that Israel is around is a miracle. But there were some changes. And one of the biggest changes between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is the leadership structure. In the, new, in the Old Covenant, there were not apostles, pastors, teachers, or evangelists. There were just prophets. And why? Because they did not have the Word of God. You couldn't do what I'm doing right here with my iPad and my phone using it as the Bible. If you wanted to hear the scriptures, you had to go once they had the synagogue uh, uh, after the Babylonian exile. You would have to go to a synagogue and hear it read to you. You, you, you and most of it wasn't written. It took time. And so God used prophets to confirm his word. And there had to be a high level of trust in those prophets during that time because whether you would go left or right it depended on the word of the prophet by the way Jehoshaphat the reason he's saying trust in the prophets is because he just prayed his heart out and a prophet said the Lord's going to give you victory the battle belongs to the Lord 
And he's saying, trust in that guy, what he said. But things are a little, I still believe, I believe in prophets. I believe in New Testament prophets. We see them in Acts. But they're part of apostolic teams. And they're accountable. And in the new covenant, you know what's a big difference? Everyone can prophesy. Everyone who's born again can, can hear from God. You have the Spirit of God. We're not as dependent on that gift as we once were. We still need it. I, I, I value that gift. But it's not as crucial. By the way, if you're going to use the Old Testament standard and tell people, listen to me, I'm a prophet, then you need to use the other Old Testament standards, which means if you're wrong, we kill you. Now, if you can't see me on Zoom, I'm smiling right now. I'm not actually advocating murder. But nobody's saying, hey, we need to go back to that standard. Certainly not those who have made given false prophets, prophecies. But one of them, and this fellow is all over Facebook, not going to mention his name, all over Instagram, has tons and tons of followers. A friend sent me this yesterday that he wrote, the most trusted source of truth in the earth has always and always has and always will be God's prophets. The most trusted source of truth has always been and always will be God's prophets. Now, I don't know about you, but that's that borders on heresy. <laughs> because the most trusted source of truth in the world today is the word of God, not fallen men. I believe in prophets. I have friends I believe who are prophets. But my faith is in the word of God. Now go to 2 Kings 2, chapter 22. Now this is an interesting story here. We have to be people who are discerning. And the beauty of living under the new covenant is that you have the Spirit of God. Is that you can know when something's off. Like when a prophet says, trust in me. And forgets that we have this little thing called the Word of God. That's when you, as a believer, your spirit is grieved and you stay away. But in the old covenant, it wasn't like that. And that's why, by the way, that's why the penalty was death. Because you had to be able to know that this guy is telling the truth. And it's not death anymore. We know that because Paul tells everyone, I want you all to prophesy. He wasn't saying risk your life. I want every believer here to risk their life. You prophesy. By the way, if you mess up, we're going to stone you after the service today. Clearly, that's not what he was teaching. But here we have the story of Micaiah. And uh, it's Joseph and Ahab, and they're going to go off to war, and they want to hear from God. So Jehoshaphat replies to King Ahab, and he says, this is verse four and a half. I am as you are. My people are as your people. My horses are your horses, meaning let's do this together, go to war together. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of Yahweh. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men. These are the prophets. Now, one of the misnomers about this passage is that these were prophets from other gods, like Baal or Ashtorah. No, these were prophets of Yahweh, the one, the, the God of Israel. You understand? That's how they presented themselves. They didn't, they didn't come from another God. These were purported to be 
the prophets of the God of Israel. 400 of them. Okay. And this is what they say. So the, uh, the king of Israel brought in the prophets, about 400 men, and he asked them, shall I go to war against uh, Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give you, give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here we can inquire of? That is a mistranslation. He does not say, is there a prophet of the Lord? He, there's a word in Hebrew in there, od. Rabbi David, that would be ayin vav dalit, since we're spelling Hebrew words today. Od means another. Is there another prophet of the Lord? Because I'm a little uneasy with 400 prophets all saying the same thing and they're zealous and they're telling us to go fight. I just don't, I don't know. So what happened? Verse 8. The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat. There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire the Lord. But I hate him <laughs> because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. By the way, that's another mistranslation. It says, is there still one prophet? Hang on just a second. It's on page 111. Let me read exactly. In Hebrew it says, there is one more prophet from whom we can inquire of Yahweh. In other words, additional. There is an additional prophet of Yahweh. Not that they were false gods and this guy's, they were all of Yahweh. But the other 400 were wrong. Now, why were they wrong? Let's just read a little bit more. The king should not say such a thing, that he hates this guy. Verse 9, so the king of Israel called one of his officials, bringing Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones by the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before him, them. Now Zedekiah had made iron horns, and he declared, this is what Yahweh says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they were destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramat Gilead and be victorious, for Yahweh will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to get Micaiah said, look, this is very telling. Listen to what I'm going to read now. This is the messenger. He goes to get Micaiah, who I believe was in jail. And he says, look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. <clears throat> you know the story, right? He, he does not obey that. He ta talks about that the Lord had put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And he says, I can only speak with what with, with the Lord shows me. There's a lot we can learn from this. Number one, if everybody is speaking favorably, peace, safety, victory, look in the book of Jeremiah. You, you, that doesn't mean that is necessarily right. Normally in the old covenant, that means that they've been bought. That, 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 that they're flattering the king. You're amazing. You're awesome. Why would they do that? Where was Micaiah? In 
jail. They did not want to be in jail. They would rather have the king's favor, the king's honor, the king's blessing. And so they'll tell him whatever he wants to hear. Prophets would never do. Yeah, they would actually. And they did. We see it all throughout the book of Jeremiah. And we see it here in the story of Micaiah. And then you have other ministers, if you will, saying, just say what they're saying. And that's what you have here. You got, and, and, and with great drama, he makes horns. He I put a lot of energy to making horns and then does a, this action. This is how God's going to... But they were wrong. They were off. And what happens is that that one would see what that one prophesied and say, well, I'm going to outdo him. Now make, bring that to today. Go to Facebook. Oh, I see Prophet X has prophesied this, I'm going to agree with him because I'll get more followers that way. And I'll get more clicks and likes. We saw that with the coronavirus. Last year, you know, we I work for, uh, you shared earlier about Shalano TV, that we have this, it's part of God TV. So I worked with the God TV and we had a, a, a prophet who came out on February 28th and said, you know, I, God has shown me the end of coronavirus. He's putting it into it now. February 28th. I contacted him when 40,000 Americans were dead. I said, hey, I was really encouraged by what you shared on February 28th, but something's wrong. <laughs> you know, I was gentle and, and, and honoring it, but firm. That, that was not a correct prophecy. You shared that with millions of people. You should maybe address that. He wrote back, disagreed with me. I wrote back again. He said he'd get back to me. He never did. Another so-called prophet said because of the policies of this country regarding the unborn and, because, and regarding Israel, meaning favorable in this administration, that God would have mercy on America and coronavirus wouldn't have such a big deal here. And within two months, we were leading the world. And you can see what today is like. They were wrong. And listen, people get things wrong. It's again, we're not in the Old Testament. We're not, we don't want to stone them. But come back and say, please forgive me. I really thought I heard from God. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I'm going to submit this to my leaders from now. You know, if you're going to give a prophetic word to the whole country, Maybe you go to first go to other trusted leaders and submit that to them. Well, you don't want to do that because then you, you want to be first. You want to get the, the Facebook punch. So it's a warning. Don't, just because you read something doesn't mean it's true. Pray over it. Does it line up with the Word of God? Why? Because there's going to be much deception in the end times. That's a promise from Yeshua. So we have to be on our guard. Somebody makes a, 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 a word that seems a little bit strange, or even if it seems great, I would just ask, hey, bro, who are you submitted to? Are you under leadership? Who corrects you when you're wrong? These are good questions. Are you part of an apostolic team? You know, one of the things I love about Tikkun is I have at least 10 guys that if I mess up, they're not going to let me, get, even if I want to hide, even if I want to pretend that I didn't make a mistake, they're going to hold me to account. And I like that. That's good. That's protection, not only for me, but for my hearers. 
But people come on TV, make wild predictions. They don't happen, and they forget about it. There is no accountability. So I'm going to close here. I would uh, love for you to be able to read more about what we wrote in this book about overcoming fear, about how this may be a dress rehearsal for what's going to come in the future, uh, about Israel, why Israel is going to become eventually as, as dividing, as divisive as abortion is as an issue in America, Israel will be worldwide, and it's already happening. God bless you. In the Let me just pray. Father, in the name of Yeshua, I bless your people. Courage and strengthen them during these difficult times. Give them grace to be discerning, to hear your voice, to weigh everything against the word of God, to not be a casualty in the end times, but to be an overcomer. One of those of whom it's written, to he who endures to the end, he will be saved. Let them be one of those in Yeshua's name. Amen.